We are going to be in various places this morning, uh, but I am mainly looking at Matthew chapter 28, one verse. Uh, And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report to his disciples. That's Matthew 28, 8. As you're turning to to there, let me distract you with something else. You know, every now and then at church, someone will come up to me and say, did your wife dress you today? (laughs) 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 And when they do, I take pride. Because I actually dressed myself that day. <laughs> I dress my. Don't ever blame Joan for how I look. <laughs> By the way, nobody said that to me today. I, you know, I don't worry about it a whole lot. I say I, I have an excuse. I'm a pastor. I can dress how I want. Uh, but but when I hear something like that, I know that I, I take pride because I know whatever I put on that day that I thought went together actually does, right? And that's a, that can be a, a difficult thing for some of us who are uh, fashion challenged, right? What, what was your other word? Male. Oh, male. <laughs> Hard to argue with that. You know, there, there are things that don't seem to go well together, and, and, and uh, they, they seem to clash. And if we're speaking of emotions, fear and joy uh, seem to be contrary emotions. They seem to be odd companions. Uh, you know, you can feel pride and joy. I can feel pride and joy when someone says, did your wife dress you? <laughs> and I can say, no, I dressed myself today. Uh, and and uh, they, pride and joy are a good fit. You, 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 see, you see your child doing something awesome, and he's your pride and joy. And, and it's just a, a, one of those things that go together, and we, we make sense of it. But fear and joy, not so much. But in today's passage, we read, they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. Uh, and Luke and John talk about them going to tell, but they don't mention the emotions. And Mark says it, Mark talks about it, though. He says, They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. So we have astonishment, joy, fear. I think the version Mike used when he read uh, the scripture reading said amazement uh, instead of astonishment. Uh, it, 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 all those things are the emotions that they feel that they go on. Uh, astonishment fades right? Uh, Fear is forgotten, but the joy remains, right? The joy remains. Uh, And and today we're going to look at the combination of fear of joy, at the fading of a surprise, and finally we're going to look at our joy that remains. So first of all, fear and joy. You know, we can understand fear replacing joy, right? Uh, That's not a hard thing to think of. You are in a joyful setting and something bad happens, and fear replaces joy. An accident at an amusement park, right? Everybody is there. They're having lots and lots of fun. All of a sudden, sudden something horrible happens, and the joy that the joy is gone. I thought you know I mentioned the Fiddler on the Roof a lot. I actually it's been quite a while since I watched it, but the movie just made an impact on me. In the Fiddler on the Roof, there's a, there's a scene where they're at a wedding. They're having a wedding. You know, the, the daughter of the main character, Tevya, is getting married, and there's a big celebration, and then the Cossacks, the Russian Cossacks, come in on their horses. They come riding in. They trash everything, trample, destroy, hurt, injure, and fear replaces the joy that they had. It, it is a classic picture. And, and by the way, it's a classic move in movies and TVs and, and books, I imagine. I don't see, I don't remember it so much from books. But, but movies, something bad, in order to make the bad thing seem more strikingly bad, they have it happen during a time when people are experiencing something good. 
Something joyful, something happy, and there, that makes the, the bad that happens, the tragedy, whatever, all that much more striking because it's so sudden and unexpected and it comes where there was joy, where there was peace or, ha- or whatever it is, and fear replaces joy. And that's easy for us. Fear replaces joy. Okay? We can also understand joy replacing fear, right? That's, that's not hard. The battle is in doubt. It looks like all is lost, and Superman appears. Like Superman, the Avengers appear. So I'm not sure they can handle it. Chuck Norris appears. <laughs> right? The problem is solved. The day is saved. Joy replaces fear. Problem, problem, a little bit more realistic. Problem pregnancy. Difficult delivery. Right? Pacing the halls. <laughs> Doc comes out, says both mom and baby are doing well. One minute, there's this fear that almost uh, overwhelms you. And the next minute, there is joy, and that fear is just plain gone. You can remember it when you think about it, but it's just plain gone because the joy is there, and the joy has replaced that fear uh, in an incredible way. And so the idea of fear replacing joy, we can get that. The idea of joy replacing fear, we can get that. But the idea of joy and fear together, that's an odd companionship. And, and yet we read this verse, verse 8 of Matthew chapter 20, 28, and it says, And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report to the disciples. These are strange roommates, but it's, it's easy to understand either emotion separate from the other, right? Joy because of what they've been told. What have they been told? 28 verses 5 through 6, the angel said to the woman, the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And the joy from hearing that would be just incredible and intense and powerful. Wait, wait and, 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 and I have, you know, if it takes them a little bit to grasp that, I can understand that, right? Uh, it, it's not, the, I, for some reason, when someone asks me a question about something I've just said, I expect them to have grasped it immediately. But I am all the time saying, wait, would you repeat that? <laughs> would you tell me that again? Because I, it's like, I heard the words, but it's, could you tell me again? It's like, this is, this is, sometimes things are like, wait a minute, I'm not sure I heard what you said. Is, are you saying what you think, what I think you said? Because uh, I'm not sure that works. I, you know, this is something they've never heard of. What do you, wait, you mean he's not dead? <laughs> right, that's, that's the question it's like, you, you, you want to ask, but you're afraid to ask. You, wait a minute, you mean he's alive? <laughs> that's, it's like, you got to be kidding. You're, and your mind struggles to grasp this. Is this some kind of a trick? Is there some other meaning to his words? I mean, the disciples were always having a hard time, difficulty, difficult time understanding Jesus. So I can see them misunderstanding this. But at the same time, these words produce joy because if they're true, if they're true, and that's where the fear comes in, by the way, if they're true, as long as you're not sure they're true, you've got this joy struggling to come out and, and, and be your emotion, but that fear is struggling against it. Uh, these are the best words ever spoken, but are they true? Can they be true? And it's fear because, well, there's lots of reasons for fear. First, uh, fear of the angel. 
28 verses 3 and 5, uh, same chapter. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing is white as snow. The guards shook from fear because of him and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for him, Jesus, who is crucified. And it was, you know what I really like about that? The angel says to the women, do not be afraid. He doesn't say that to the guards. You just keep on trembling, buddy. <laughs> I like you where you are. But you don't have to be afraid. And he tells the women, don't be afraid. Angels are scary. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, his first words were, do not be afraid. When the angel appeared to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist in the temple, his first words were, do not be afraid. Uh, the, the, the angel says to the women here, do not be afraid. The guards shake like dead men. Do not be afraid. When the guards, when the guards, when the angels appeared to the shepherds out in the, out watching their flocks by night, their first words were, or his first word, because it was one first, do not be afraid. It's really good they didn't all appear first. You know, first it was just one to kind of pave the way, because that, you know, imagine a bunch of those scary guys, and, and uh, they, they say, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, uh, but, but that being said, the fear that he, they, they have here when he tells her, don't be afraid, I don't think he's talking about himself, I mean, at first, yeah, maybe he is, but here what he says, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified, he is not here, uh, Come see the place where he's going. And then verse 8, they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. And I don't think the fear they're leaving with is fear of the angel. I think that may have happened immediately because, you know, in spite of what we like to think, angels are scary. Uh, but I think it's a fear that this might not be true or a fear that this cannot be true. Surely you don't expect me to believe this, and, and the fear that it might not be true is, is going to be powerful there, because this has never happened before. Jesus has raised people from the dead before. Even Elisha uh, and Elijah both raised someone from the dead before, but, but nobody has ever just raised on their own. Right? Nobody has ever done that. This, is, this is, is, is not possible. And so the fear and the joy are both there. And there's the joy, what if it's true? And there's the fear, what if it's not? And you can see these two things uh, struggling in these women. Uh, the, these two emotions, these two thoughts are battling for dominance. And, and these women are running. They've just heard this. And you can feel the two emotions battling for dominance. They want to believe, but they find it so hard. And sometimes the fear is stronger, and sometimes the joy is stronger. But the angel said, go, so they're going. Right? It's like, it's like the, if it was just up to them, it's hard to say what might come out first. They might sit there and talk about it and, and discuss it and, and, and debate, uh, trying to decide what they should do. Fortunately for them, the angel said, go. Uh, and they go. So that's the fear and the, and the joy. Now, the surprise, this is that word astonishment uh, that I mentioned from the Gospel of Mark. And astonishment, I, I went to astonishment because astonishment is a stronger word, it, it, to my mind at least. Uh, to astonishment is a stronger word than merely surprise or even to amaze. It means to fill with sudden wonder or surprise. And the definition of the Greek word is even stronger. It means to utterly astonish, to greatly amaze. Not just to amaze, but to greatly amaze, to utterly astonish. And Jesus rising from the dead is astonishing. No wonder so many people don't believe it. <laughs> but to, to, to disbelieve a truth doesn't make the truth not true. Right? Just because you disbelieve it doesn't change what is real. Jesus rising from the dead is real. Right? He is risen. He is risen I feel like I have so much power when I say that. <laughs> Try not to abuse it. <laughs> but it's, it's, you know... Jesus rising from the dead is astonishing, but the fact is astonishment fades. 
Okay, how long does it take for the surprise to be over? How many of you expected to come to church and be surprised by the message? Quite the opposite, isn't it? It's like, it's like part of me wonders, why is it that Christmas and Easter are the most crowded days? Because those are the two days you know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> other, days, other days, it's like, you know, you get what you get. But Christmas and Easter, you know. That's a, and I guess maybe it's the, the comfort of the, the knowledge. I don't know what it is. No, it's, it, I know why, because there's, there's so much more about Jesus. You know, other days, other things creep in. But Christmas and Easter, they're all about him. But... Everybody knew, I think. If you didn't know what I was going to be talking about today, you may not have known exactly how I was going to talk about it, but you probably had a pretty good idea I was going to be talking about the resurrection today, right? Uh, it's, it's kind of a given. There's no surprise to Easter. The surprise is gone. Astonishment fades. Surprise fades. Fear and joy, they compete with each other. Astonishment fades. Uh, but the, the thing is, is that the joy remains. The joy remains. Uh, and joy lasts. Uh, we still feel joy on Easter. Easter is no longer a surprise to us. Uh, it, those of you who were at the sunrise service, was it cold? Okay, did the cold surprise you? <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's like, yeah, duh, uh, duh. <laughs> been there before, been there, done that, yeah, it, it's cold. It's, it, is it ever not cold at sunrise service? It's, it's, it's a given. It will be cold. Uh, and, and even if it's not, we're going to still feel cold because if it's not, it's still that time of the morning. The coldest time of day is sunrise, right? Or the coldest time of the night, uh, just before it starts to warm up. It's been getting cold all along. Uh, but we go out anyway. I mean, we, we, don't, we don't have a surprise on Easter morning. We don't have a surprise at the sun, sunrise service. We don't have a surprise when we come in here. Uh, but we come anyway. And we aren't, fearfully, we aren't going fearfully waiting to see how it will turn out. We aren't coming to the, to the service hoping that this time Jesus wins, right? We come because we know he wins. We come because we know and we want to celebrate what he has done. We're, we're celebrating the resurrection. It brings joy to us. It should bring joy to us. I hope it brings joy to you. If it doesn't, maybe it will by the time we're done, I hope. And it's a joy unlike others. Birth of a child. You know, some people don't know, and so I'll just impose on you. This, the story I told about the problem pregnancy and the, and the dad, you know, I didn't say the dad, but uh, when, when my boys were born, they're twins, this is a gazillion years ago and in the army, right? And, and some, of the, some of the full advantages of technology had not yet been known. <laughs> and so Josh was born. You know, the one baby we were expecting was born. And the doctor's washing up, and the nurse says, Doctor, there's another one here. <laughs> and the doctor goes, What? <laughs> and they start working on this delivery, and there's problems. And they kicked me out. And I stormed up and down those halls. Look, I, every time I saw it, I wanted to punch everybody. It's just, I was so angry. I was so, you know, the emotions were so hot. I was so worried. I was so angry. I was so fearful. And I just, I was, I was walking like this, and I was just, you know, an emotional wreck. And everything turned out well, right? And my fear was turned to joy. 
I stopped by on the way home, told the guy at 7-Eleven, I have twins. <laughs> he says, thank you, you can go now. <laughs> he really didn't care, but I was so filled, my fear was filled with joy that came with the surprise. Well, the surprise is gone, and the joy is mellowed a little bit too. <laughs> Still happy, I still remember it, but you know the joy is not, I mean, the, it, it's not what it was. It's still good, but, you, but the thing about that joy is that it's personal. You know, I went and I expressed my joy to, actually it turned out one of my sergeants was working at 7-Eleven that night, Sergeant Forney. So my joy was expressed to Sergeant Forney, and he actually was kind of happy with me when he found out. So. But, uh, but it was my joy right? Uh, my parents shared the joy. My siblings shared the joy. Uh, it was Joan shared the joy, but it was my joy. It wasn't so widespread. It was kind of a personal kind of thing. And even if the joy of that child lasts, <laughs> looking over at some grandchildren when I say that, uh, <laughs> even if the joy of that child lasts, it's still personal. It's, it's not white. We, we, you know, especially, it's like, thank you, but can I tell you about my grandkids now? You know, it's like, and, and we compete. Okay, let's go to another joy. Seahawks won the Super Bowl in 2014. Now, how many celebrated when they won? Because I did. <laughs> yeah, go Hawks! Lasted for one year. <laughs> and then it went to, who made that call? <laughs> it's like, what did you do to my Hawks? And it was temporary. And, and I had to look it up. I'm going, what year was that that they won? And so I, I got on the internet and I looked up and okay, it was 2014. Wow, that was a long time ago. What Super Bowl number was that? LX something other, you know, Roman numeral, Roman numeral. It was Super Bowl 48. I know that because I have it written down. I wouldn't have remembered it from looking it up four, five days ago or four days ago to today. I'm not what? I'm not. I'm not a real fan, yeah. Okay, it's, it, but it was, it's like, it was limited in time. It's a temporary, it's, it, there's a great joy at the moment, but it doesn't last real long. And so I thought, well, what else? What about Independence Day? We celebrate as a whole nation, right? It, it's something we celebrate, and although most of it's about, you know, fireworks and fun and family and picnics and stuff, we still, as a nation, we're celebrating our independence as a nation. But then I thought, but that is limited to us as a nation, Right? Uh, we don't, I, I, I suspect the British don't celebrate that. <laughs> they might. They might say, yeah, that's the day we had to stop dealing with those Americans. <laughs> Got rid of them. You know, so we celebrate, but, but because we like to think, celebrate, we celebrate Cinco de Mayo, which actually doesn't mean a whole lot. They don't celebrate it that big in Mexico, but people use it as an excuse to drink, and so they celebrate. But, it's, but the celebration is limited to our nation. Right? It's, it's still a limited, a culturally limited celebration. But when we talk about the joy of the resurrection, the joy of the resurrection is worldwide among believers, and it is eternal. We will never stop rejoicing in the resurrection. We will be singing about this in heaven. Right? We will not, now I'm not saying anything bad about patriotism, but in heaven we will not sing, My country tis of thee. Right? We will not pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. 
That's not a slam on the United States of America. Believe me, it's not. Uh, I do the pledge. <laughs> but it's, it's, there are things that are temporary and things that are eternal. And the joy we have in our resurrection, the joy we have in Jesus Christ and his victory over death is eternal. It's the joy of the victory and the rewards of the victory, right? Uh, Jesus conquered death, so we conquer death. Jesus gained life after death, so we gain life after death. And we share with him in the resurrection in a way we don't share anything else. Because we do share it personally. You know, no, no offense to you, but I'm most glad he saved me. <laughs> I'm glad he saved you. But I'm most glad he saved me. But so that's personally, but then there's corporately. And is it not an awesome thing to get together with other believers and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ? To sing worship songs together in the name of Jesus Christ for him and corporately. And more than that, let's go to this one, deeply. Deeply. You know, sometimes, and I'm not going to assume that most of us walk around with a deep sense of celebration or joy, let's stick with the word joy, over what he has done for us, but there are times, are there not, when we just, uh, you know, how, however deep he might take us, we find it there, that we will not go so deep that we outdig the resurrection and its impact on our lives. Uh, it is deeply, and it is eternally, so that when I say we'll sing these songs in heaven, and I don't know how eternity is going to work. Will we still be doing in, in heaven on the 7,000th year what we did on the first day? Because I suspect we won't. We'll be doing something else. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I suspect. But, but we will always, we will eternally be praising God. We will eternally be sensing and feeling the joy of the resurrection. So I want to bring that back around for a minute to the ladies at the tomb, they left with fear and great joy. And I'm glad that the fear was not described as great, but the joy was. <laughs> they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report to his disciples. I want to express something to you that I hope comes out right. My joy in the resurrection is not tainted by fear. And I know many of you, maybe most of you, maybe all of you can say the exact same thing. I have no fear causing me to hesitate in my joy. What causes that? The sal salvation that Jesus Christ gives us causes that. The Holy Spirit that he puts within us causes that. A right relationship with Jesus Christ causes that. You know, unconfessed sin can mess with that. It can cause you to have trouble. Confessed sin fixes that. Uh, is your joy mixed with fear? Because it sh should not be, and it doesn't have to be. Your joy can be pure, unadulterated, confident joy in the resurrection. In the, in the res not just Jesus' resurrection, but in your resurrection, your eternal life. Uh, are you like the ladies running from the tomb 
Is uncertainty stealing your joy? Is it, you know, in Sunday school today, we talked about the, the underlying current of joy, that joy is, a Christian's joy is deeper than anything the world can know because we have a confidence and a basis that is deeper than anything this world can manufacture, right? Because we have a confidence that goes beyond this world. In the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a phrase that's repeated multiple times, under the sun, under the sun. The book of Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom, of, of life under the sun, and it has the repeated message, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. The message it starts with is, is the message it carries all through us. Life under the sun is meaningless until you get to the very end of the book where it says, this one thing, God will watch, God, or, but it, Ecclesiastes, it's in the Old Testament, I could call out a page number now. The conclusion when everything has been heard is this. Fear God and keep his commandments. <laughs> uh, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act of judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. And when he says that, by the way, he's saying everything matters. In a world where nothing matters. There was, did anybody read Daily Bread this morning? There was a quote in the Daily Bread. It was so good. Uh, it was a man's dying words. He says, if the resurrection is real, then nothing else matters. And if the resurrection is not real, then nothing else matters. Life has no meaning without the resurrection. With the resurrection, life has meaning. Life has purpose. Life has reason to rejoice. Is uncertainty stealing your confidence? Are the things of this world, is something causing you to have uncertainty that causes you to doubt? Have you trusted Jesus truly as your Savior? Or is he something, is he something that you're, you're struggling with trying to decide? I want to show you something in uh, the Gospel of Matthew still, verses 28, verses 9 and 10. So verse 8, the one we keep looking at, says, And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report to his disciples. And then something happened, right? They're running with joy or fear and great joy. And then, behold, Jesus met them. And he said, Rejoice, which is a word that in the Greek is the same as joy. <laughs> rejoice is joy. It actually doesn't mean joy again, but <laughs> rejoice. They came and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. They rejoiced, and he said, do not be afraid. Go bring word to my brothers and leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. And I suspect that this time, you know, they're running along. They have fear and joy mixed. What do you think it means? Do you think it's real? Do you think it can be true? Can we hope? Can we, can we believe? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? And then they met the risen Savior. Do you think they doubted after that? Do you think there was fear with their joy after that when they ran the rest of the way to tell the disciples? Because I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it was pure, unadulterated joy without a shadow of doubt because they'd met the risen Savior, and it changed everything. Until you trust Jesus, you will not have confidence. You will be, find yourself 
uh, vacillating back and forth. Uh, when you trust him, fear and uncertainty leave. Your confidence will be in him, and you will share his victory. There was a Charlie Brown. Uh, I'm probably thinking back to when this was original, <laughs> because they still run Charlie Browns. That, that amazes me. Has it been 60 years since Charles Schultz died? <laughs> it's just so powerful. But in this particular one, Charlie Brown is standing there, and Snoopy whizzes by. You know, you see Snoopy in these lines. You know the lines they do that make you know he's really going fast? And he's pointed in that direction. And Charlie Brown doesn't move, and Snoopy goes by that way with those lines. And Charlie Brown's standing there, and Snoopy goes by that way. with the, Snoopy's just going, <laughs> and finally, Charlie Brown speaks. Indecision is a terrible thing. <laughs> you have to decide. You have to decide. Until you decide, here, this is deep. Until you decide, you are undecided. Until you decide, you cannot have confidence. And, 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 and I want to tell you, that can sound really uh, what's the word I want? Uh, convenient? It's like, because it, you, can't, you can't know the peace I'm talking about. You can't know the joy and the victory I'm talking about until you decide for Jesus. And you say, well, that's a trick. Because just because you, you say that doesn't mean it's true. How do I know it until I know it? And, how, and you're, you're trying, you know what? It's, it's not a trick if it's true. It, it, it's, it's not a trick if it's true. Victory is for those who trust in Jesus. And, and if, if I'm wrong, then it costs you nothing to make a decision for Christ and find out it was wrong. But I want to tell you, there's a whole lot of people in here who will gladly tell you that what I'm saying is true, right? Uh, when, when you trust in him, once you trust in him, you find out you've made the right decision. And it's not like you, you are finally just barely decided. Jesus Christ comes into your life and does something and changes things. Victory is for those who trust in Jesus. Joy is for those who trust in Jesus. And joy is for you if you trust in Jesus. If by some chance you're here because it's Easter, but not because of Jesus Christ, and God is speaking to you now, I'm not that convincing. At least I don't think I am. If he is weighing on your heart and telling you, choose me, choose me, I want to encourage you to do it because he wants you. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to redemption. He saves anyone who will come to him. You can have the joy and the confidence of the resurrection. I'm going to say a prayer. I tell Jesus I'm a sinner, done bad things. <laughs> I got to tell you, I, this is just a, a story out of nowhere. But uh, I was talking to a guy this week, a guy I've known for a long time. And we were just talking. And he told me, hey, I've been sober for, I don't remember how many months he told me. And I said, really? Good for you. And we talked about it in a little bit. And he looked at me and he says, well, you never drank. 
I said, oh, yeah, I did. He goes, really? I said, oh, yeah. And, 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 and we talked about it, and he was just perplexed by the thought that, because he's known me for a long time, but he hasn't known me long. I've been a Christian for, for over 40 years, you know, a uh, long time. Uh, and, I, and I don't drink anymore. It's, I set that aside and put it behind me a long time ago because I used to drink. <laughs> and I know what it does to me. Right? Uh, and, and he was just shocked to, to look at me and think that, that, that I ever drank. And I'm going, oh, yeah. And he asked me follow-up questions, and we talked about it for a while. And it was kind of handy because he just forced me to tell him my testimony. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember where I was going with that. Oh, I'm a sinner. He, 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 people think the pastor's not a sinner. People think the pastor, you, you, you see the Steve that's walking up here now. And by the way, those of you who know me better, right, know I still have flaws. <laughs> still, still a sinner. But, but you think that the, the, the me you see before me is the me I've always been? Jesus saved a sinner. Jesus saved a sinner. My son-in-law's, or former son-in-law's, words about me when he met my brothers and found out what kind of a person I was on my way to becoming, <laughs> said, Jesus must have really wanted you. <laughs> because Jesus saved me from a sinful life. You know what? If you are a sinner, you say, but I'm a sinner. He wouldn't save me. You don't know what kind of a person I am. People say that all the time. No, that, that's not the problem. The problem is you don't know what kind of a Savior he is. Because he is enough Savior to handle your sin. Believe me, you are, you are not that big a deal. Um, no offense. <laughs> but he is that big a deal. He is. So I'm going to tell him I'm a sinner. I'm going to tell them I know that because I've sinned, I deserve to go to hell. Hell is real. Jesus spoke about it. Tell them because I'm a sinner, I know I deserve to go to hell. But that I know he loved me so much that he went to that cross and paid that price. And then on the third day, he rolled away that stone. He, the angel rolled away the stone. You know. But he wasn't there because he defeated death. And he gives me that victory of death as I trust in him. He paid the price of my sin. If you trust in him, you make that transaction. And this joy and confidence I'm talking about is yours if you trust Jesus as your Savior. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, sometimes it's embarrassing to think about the sins of my distant past. And Lord, it's probably more embarrassing to think about the sins I still do. Lord, I am not worthy of you by any stretch of the imagination. I deserve to go to hell, to be punished for what I have willingly done. But Jesus, in spite of all my faults and failings, you love me so much that you paid for my sins with your life to take them away and make me clean. And Jesus, I accept that gift. And then you rose in victory to demonstrate the new life that you give me as well. And Jesus, I thank you for that gift too. Lord, if there's anyone here who needs to pray that prayer, I ask that they will.
I ask that they have. I ask that you affirm in them the joy that we're talking about. Give them that full sense of victory in walking with you. I pray in Jesus' name.